0: A few notices. The lovely Sue isn't Sue amazing to, in our church? Fantastic!
1: You're so kind. You're so nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, next weekend is—it's um, well, a bit of a food festival here in Hope Church. Next weekend, it's something I think we do quite well here. Um, we've got a celebration for Ian, um, Ian's eldership on. The Saturday. Sorry, you're shaking your head. That's right, on Saturday. Um, um, Afternoon tea here at five o'clock. We would really love some volunteers to help clear up afterwards and set up for church in the morning. Um, If you haven't already signed up, there's a list by the information board there just to give us an idea of numbers so we've got enough uh, buns to go round. That would be really lovely. Thank you. Um, And then... On the Sunday is church lunch. And this is not just any old church lunch. This is a big day. We are going to celebrate somebody that does an awful lot in this church behind the scenes. Um, It's Steve's 70th birthday. So there will be pulled pork and stuffing, and applesauce, and please, if you could all bring salads and cakes along, that would be absolutely lovely. But yes, Steve is... I'm sure I don't need to tell you all about Steve, but he's an amazing guy who does so much in the background. He he helps me on every single event we do here, quietly. He's wonderful. Um, And then, if that isn't enough, at the end of February, we've got even more food celebrating ladies brunch and we've got the wonderful kim here who's going to be speaking to us but it's pastries and 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 smoked salmon bagels and things so um if you'd like to sign up for that the form is at the back there and i would also like some volunteers to help serve the ladies some gentlemen if you would be so kind there's a list for you to sign up for that too um and just very quickly in addition i we i'm the The ladies brunch has been so successful and the last few years we've tried really hard to do a men's event. We've had evening ones, we've had butchery, we've had curries, we've had it and and it's not been great. So we have at last found a slot for a men's breakfast which will be in April. More details to follow but it's just going to be a bacon butty and a nice cup of tea, a lovely cup of tea. (laughs) and a chat, but more details on that. Anyway, these bits are up at the back. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. On your seats, like last week, this week, part of the vision is that we love bigger, we care bigger, and um, as the church grows, the needs of the church are are growing as well, and we want to, as best we can, help meet those practical needs. So if you could have a look at... um, the this leaflet on the pastoral on the pastoral team and see if you can help in any way shape or form just ask the lord and put your name and what you think you might be able to help out at and um, there's a a clear box at the back on the information center if you could put, put that in there afterwards that would be fantastic and finally if you're making this church your home and you're not in the church directory, you might not even have seen a church directory, but if you haven't seen it, your name's not in it, because you wouldn't know about it. So, um, does that make sense? (laughs) So, if you'd like to be in it, and, um, and you're making this church your home, there's a little leaflet at the back of the church, you can put your name and your details down, or if you need to correct anything in the church directory, if you could do that as well. Thank you very much. Let's welcome Adam.
2: Thank you, great, I'm on, hey, well look, uh, last night I went to see Darkest Hour, you know the whole thing about Churchill, that's going to (laughs) be, blessed be the name of the Lord, (laughs) no that's not Yoda, that's Churchill, God dear me, no, that was my best Churchill, got pulled out right there. Thank you. I'll have a drink. There we are. i have to recover after that one. Wow. Great time of worship. Oh, I just felt so met with. So met with. Look, this morning, um, as you know, Ian is coming into eldership next Saturday. Five o'clock. We're having the tea that Sue is just talking about. It's going to be a good family uh, affair, which I trust you're all going to come to if you can. And um, that's going to be really good. So i just been thinking about that, and I thought, actually, today, what I need to talk on is, oh, not that, is this. I need to talk about leaders and leadership. And just as we've been going through the worship, and just as Paul read that, Psalm 23, I, I, I know we know this. I just want to say this again. He's our leader, isn't he? He's our shepherd. I don't know about you. I don't want any other shepherd. I want Jesus the shepherd he's our great shepherd he's our great apostle he isn't he he he, he's he's the one that we look to and uh clearly we get people put in there and we try and cooperate with him as best we can but I just want to say it again to you although I am the leader of this church and Malcolm and Ian he is the leader of the church absolutely we look to him goes without saying I just want to say it again publicly I bow the knee to Jesus Because he's the leader. And uh, that's what we're endeavouring to do, is endeavouring to keep our eyes on him and not go anywhere else. You know, there's a lot of competition for values and views and thoughts. And even in the church today, people come in and say, well, let's talk about this or that. Well, okay. But actually, Jesus is the one we keep our eyes on. And we're not going anywhere else. Okay. Just had to say that. Okay. Well, look... um, It's really good that Ian is coming into eldership uh, because uh, we've been looking at vision and mission, haven't we, over the recent weeks? And we've been seeing that the vision of this church is doing church bigger. Yes, doing church bigger. It's three words. We can remember it. It's, it's, you know, it's great. Doing church bigger. And... Um, and we're going to go for growth in numbers, and we're also going to go for increasing expression of God's love and his care. We're doing uh, numbers bigger. We're going to do love bigger. That's the plan this year. I believe that's a, re- a reflection of the heart of God. And we saw, though, that doing church bigger had some real implications for us. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago we went through this, and we saw that change would come with bigger. Change is going to come and uh, we saw that there had to be a willingness for change. It demanded sometimes a different attitude. Uh, there's going to be an increased emphasis on teamwork and on uh, on greater generosity. And didn't Ian preach well on that last Sunday? Didn't he? If you haven't heard it, I recommend it. It's on the website. Uh, go and listen to that. Very good. But we're gonna we're gonna need to be more generous. And uh, we're going to need to get over disappointments because they will come and we'll find that our needs won't be met. And Do you remember that list I went through? Um, so there are going to be a range of things needed to do church bigger. But another really important aspect of doing church bigger is new leaders and leadership. Um, you know, all joking apart, uh, watching that thing about Churchill, I am so grateful that God has given this nation good leaders at times, real key times in our history. I mean, he was a difficult bloke, Churchill. He's a very flawed man, to be honest. But for, even as a kid, he knew, because he was a believer, he had a sense that God was going to use him to rescue the nation. And it, just at that time, he stood up and would not appease, make appeasement with Hitler. When the nation was calling for it, he said, no, this is the way we go. I am so grateful, I'm so grateful, It was a costly decision, but it's, it's what leaders do. I believe that was a gift from God, leadership is a gift from God, you know, that's very different from the attitude about leadership often we pick up in the press, where basically the, the press would say, all leaders are just idiots, really, it's, it's kind of, that's the impression we get, isn't it, I mean, well, Don't we think? Do you remember? Do you remember some of the um, football managers? Do you remember uh, Graham Taylor? Do you remember how they treated him in the press? They called him Turnip Head. You think, how dare you do that? It's just shocking. Anyway, it just affects our kind of view of things, and we just need to acknowledge that. No, new leaders coming through is a really essential part of healthy church growth. Uh, We we notice when Paul went off to uh, his missionary journeys, what did he do? What did he leave behind? Well, apart from decent churches, he then left people to make sure elders were appointed in every church. You've got to have a good leadership structure. Um, You can't do without elders and leaders. And uh, because this is an important part of our growth, I just want to talk about leadership And I want to ask the kind of question, one of the questions is, what kind of style of leadership are we looking to raise up here in Hope Church? What kind of style of leaders? It's important that we know, because there's a lot of competition for what kind of leaders are going to be produced. Um, You know, our culture throws lots of different ideas about leadership at us. I mean, one I've already mentioned but actually, I, I worked in um, commercial publishing um, for 20-odd years, fairly cutthroat business, to be fair. And, um, uh, and really, uh, I guess generally the instruction we're given is if you want to do well, you've got to go up the corporate ladder. And that means becoming a leader, If you want to do well in life, that's what we're told, isn't it, by the world, you've got to go up the ladder, and that means becoming a team leader, department head, or a director, or a CEO, or a managing director, or a consultant, something that takes responsibility over other people. And uh, I've got to say, in the corporate world, all sorts of muddle and confusion occurs in people's hearts because of that. And... um, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, in my time, I know there was all sorts of intrigue and manoeuvring that would go on, and people would make friends with people. And you know, you just think, oh, blow all this, you know. I was just... And uh, because of all that, I certainly have encountered leaders in the in the corporate world that were very threatened by other people. Have you encountered that? And uh, I remember talking to one guy who was head of a department. And uh, I said to him, what would happen if one of your team ended up selling more than you during the course of a year? And with a little flash in his eye, he turned to me and he said, oh, that will never happen. In other words, I will make sure that everyone else does not excel above me. That will never happen. Or I will only employ people I think are middle ability people to make sure that I continue to be the kingpin. Thank you very much. I will be the ceiling. They will remain down there. So this company will continue to need me. I mean, just, I looked at it. Even then I thought, (laughs) what? But that is not untypical, I'm afraid, for the corporate world. You know, and people get muddled with leadership. They do things like this. They start to take on identity. A sense of self-worth and importance. So they'll say, well, I am a director. That makes me important. I am significant. And hence, they also then treat their job in a slightly odd way. They fight to hold it. Um, I remember, and and it also means when people retire, there's all sorts of trauma that can occur. I remember talking to a consultant surgeon, very successful uh, guy, and he said, I've gone, after, shortly after he retired, and he said, I've gone from being a very important guy where people would consult me over matters of life and death, and he said, I'm now on the scrap heap. His identity, his sense of self-worth, was entirely tied in to his position. Now, as Christians, I hope, at least we're learning, <laughs> it's tough, actually, but we're learning not to do that. Our identity is rooted in who we are in Christ. You are sons and daughters of the living God. That makes you significant and important. And that will never change. You will never be retired. You will never be stood down. You will never be threatened. In fact, you will just get more and more and more. Isn't it good? So, what kind of culture are we looking to create then? Well, I think we're trying to create the very opposite of that. The very opposite of that. See, we're called uh, to be leaders. And I'm I'm, I'm talking about leadership. Some of you are in leadership in the church already. I bet some of you will come into leadership, if I have my way, whether you like it or not. (laughs) And some of you, of course, lead in other environments. You lead in your families. You lead in your offices. Of course, we all have to lead ourselves. So we're all leaders in that sense. We've got to learn how to lead. Um, What kind of leaders do godly people produce? Well, if you look through the Bible, I think it's remarkable. You see a consistency to good leaders and what they produce. Let's take Elijah as an example, so Elijah, powerful guy, really skilled personally, prophetically, this man, have you, have you read about Elijah, crumbs, read the stories again, this man saw the dead raised, I mean, that's quite impressive, isn't it, as Ian would say, that's not bad then, is it, yeah, just awesome things, Just awesome. At his command that God shut the rain. It did not rain because I'm obviously under God's anointing. But he said, no, it's not going to rain. So you kind of think, well, this guy doesn't need anyone else. He's all right. But the day comes when God says, no, I want you to take on a young whippersnapper, please. He's going to be your apprentice. Your young apprentice. And um, he's going to be under you. And he takes on Elisha. Now, where does Elisha end up? I'll tell you where Elisha ends up. He ends up with double what Elijah has. A double portion comes his way. He doesn't just match his master, his friend. No, no. He goes twice. (laughs) He goes beyond. He ends up with twice the impact, twice the miracles, twice. It's the increase. It's the increase. That's what you see Godly men and women producing. We see exactly the same thing with King David. Do you love the stories of King David? Oh, can I recommend you read the stories of King David? He's an exciting guy. A very flawed man, again, actually, as we know. But he produces this amazing list of mighty men. Have you read about them in Chronicles? It's a long list of mighty men. And uh, in amongst all of these guys who do incredible things, there's the three. The three. It's almost you can hear the music when it says, the three, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. The three come into the room. Oh, the three have come into the room. They do amazing things, accomplish incredible things for God. And you think, well, this has got to be the, the tops. And then a couple of verses later, there's some other guy who's not part of the three who accomplishes even more than the three. And you think, well, c- c- these guys are incredible. But there's no sense of jealousy David has created this sort of releasing world where people come in. And now, only because David has given permission is this stuff being recorded. If the king had said, I don't want this recorded, it would not have been. But the fact that it's written down, it's like David is applauding. He's saying, let's record this stuff. It is outstanding. And actually, some of these guys go on to do far more than David ever did. I love that. Isn't that great? Here is a king who's saying, Whoa, you are just outstripping me. That is magnificent. Well done. Keep going. And that, here's another one. And here's another one. And all these guys seem to enjoy and be okay with other guys doing very well. There's no sense of uh, being put down at all. That's really remarkable that David achieved that because he came out of a very different atmosphere, he came out of Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel, and Saul demonstrated what I just told you about that guy in, the, in, in, um, in publishing. Saul detested David's success. David started to do better than Saul, and Saul hated it to the point where he wanted to kill David. See, if we don't embrace those who are gifted coming up and through, we will eventually kill them off. Church, do we want to do that? No, if we want to grow, we're going to have to encourage that new generation as they come through. The new gifting as it comes through. We've got, to have, we've got to be a group of people that applaud. So you are magnificent. When people excel beyond you, have a heart that just says, that is fantastic, well done. And don't say, well, you never did that for me. I mean, we joke, but we do. We do. We can feel a bit resentful. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm in my 60s, and I've never seen that. And here's this kid, and they're 20, and they're seeing stuff I've never seen. Well, what's the fairness in that? No, we've got to be a church that says, this is magnificent. This is magnificent. <clears throat> and, of course, the ultimate example of this releasing style of leadership is Jesus. Now, it's slightly more tricky with Jesus, isn't it? Because he accomplished salvation for all people. You're not going to beat that, really, are you, (laughs) to be fair? Uh, And we just look on in in awe at that. But actually, in another sense, his 12 go on to accomplish more than Jesus did, don't they? His 12 guys, they see on one day 3,000 saved. Well, Jesus preaches to large crowds. He sees amazing miracles, but actually they see 3,000 saved, 5,000 saved, countless people saved. Under their tenure, they are seeing international ministry now rocket. They're, they're going into modern-day Turkey and Italy. They go into Greece. They go into Syria. Churches now planted internationally. Did Jesus ever do that? No. No, he didn't. But his guys, what has he left behind in his guys? He's left a spirit that says, yeah, we will go on beyond. Jesus said this, those who come after me will do the things I've been doing and greater and more. Leaders and the and more of God. If you're a leader in this church, I want to encourage you, look for the and more of God in those that come under you. Teach them everything you know, give everything your way, don't hold anything back, but then expect the and more of God. And then teach them that the next generation that comes after them can have everything they've got and more again, so that we see more and more and more. Absolutely, I think it's essential. What is a measure of success for us as a church? Well, I want to suggest this. One of the measures of success, obviously, it's, it's how well we do. I, but one of the important measures of success is what will the next generation do? I'm 51. What will the guys in their 40s, 30s, 20s, teenagers, how well will they do? If they go on to do church bigger than we do, we've succeeded. That will be a measure of success for us, won't it? won't it? If they see more saved, hey, look, I'm looking for thousands, by the way, no pressure, but I'm looking for thousands. But I think you should be thinking, well, we can do bigger than that. I want to say to you, if you're young and you're coming up through this church, don't say, well, this is the high watermark then. It's not. It's a beginning. It's the beginning. This is a little, little start. I'm looking for you to go on way beyond where we are. I believe it. Young people, there is so much more God wants to pour out on you. So much more he's got for you. I want to say to you, Ian, we are absolutely delighted you're coming into eldership. I know Malcolm and I are thrilled. This church is thrilled. And you are a gifted guy. And the favor of God is just like obviously on you. You've got to be really dense not to see that, to be honest. The favor of God is on you. Sorry if you hadn't seen that. (laughs) 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 But I want to say, and you do do this, I want you to encourage those under you. Because the day will come you'll encounter someone and he'll be more gifted than you. And your job is to say, fly. Fly beyond me. Go beyond You've only seen, I don't know, maybe 200,000 people saved in your lifetime. (laughs) Hey, let's go for that. Let's see if they can do double that. Let's see if they can do double that. We want to go on beyond, don't we? We don't want to stick where we are. I'd like there to be an encouraging, developing, releasing attitude towards leaders and their skills. I want you individually to excel in all that you've got. Don't, don't say, oh, well, that means I can back off and let them do it. That's not an excuse for you just to say, oh, thank goodness, someone else could do it. No, no, you, you need to excel. In the, God is looking for you to use the skills you've got. And if you currently have skills that you think, ah oh, they're just not being used, I want to say, you need to be praying about that. Because God is looking for those skills to be used, you personally. But don't let those skills be a block to others. Let it be a way of encouraging others. <clears throat> Okay. Now, when you release people into uh, leadership, you obviously don't just throw anyone in. Okay, I'm saying yeah, we want to release people, but you've got to be wise with that. Um, and of course, you're looking for gifting. When somebody's able, uh, you know, look at the three guys on stage this morning. They've got, they've got skill, haven't they? Skill. If I was there, it would have been very different this morning. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, you've got to have some skill and some ability and uh, <clears throat> but I want to say there is something that's more important than skill and that's character and that's the tough one and often that's why you see characters in the Bible who are clearly very able they get held up or, or they, get, they have to go through quite a long process like, look at Joseph you know, with the multicolored coat There is Joseph. He is a very skilled, able administrator. And you could say, well, why not just pluck him out and put him in straight away? No, he has to go through a character refinement process first before it is safe to allow this man the power of being Prime Minister of Egypt. It would not have been safe to have put a young uh, Joseph into that position too early. You've got to be refined. There is a process. Some of you are saying, why haven't I? I've got the skills. Why hasn't, why hasn't God let me into leadership? Can I suggest it could well be character. God is still knocking on the door of character, saying, I need to refine you further. I need and actually, it's his mercy that does that. You might be frustrated by it, but it is the mercy of God. Okay, so let's have a quick look then at uh, eldership. Oh, sorry, I hadn't done it. That's, that's my illustration for being a director, and yeah, that's that. Okay, let's look at the gifting required to be an elder, and I'm taking this from uh, the, book, the letter to Timothy, and also uh, one, one. Sorry, that's one Timothy chapter three, and also the letter to Titus. If you want to know what the uh, um, um, lists of requirements for being elders are. Those are the areas you need to read. As you break it down, an elder needs to be able to teach. It doesn't say teach publicly. It might be a one-to-one arrangement. But uh, an elder does need to be able to teach. An elder needs to be hospitable. I think there's some gifting in that. I know you can learn to be hospitable. Some of you are fantastically hospitable. You really know how to make people feel welcome. And I just commend you. It's just brilliant. But it's, a, it's a gift required to be an elder. An elder also needs to be a manager. And by that, I mean somebody who can manage their own family well. The Bible says if a, if a man can't manage his own family well, he should not be allowed to manage the church. Yeah. In other words, this, this person has learned to manage small first. Yeah. Then I can let you manage big. That's, I think, what that's the principle of But really, there aren't that many more gifts required. Here's the long list, and this is the demanding one. And I have to say, as I'm going through it, I've been going through it the week, it always makes you swallow a bit and sit down hard, you know. Let's start with this one. How about that? (laughs) Right, I'm resigning now, thank you. (laughs) Above reproach. The other words the Bible uses are blameless it says, must have a good reputation with outsiders. In other words, someone who's not an actor, who can just act their way through a few hours during the week. No, that's how they really are during the week. they uh, got to be respectable, honest. They've got to show integrity. They've got to be disciplined. They've got to be self-controlled. They've got to be upright. And they've got to be holy. <laughs> it's what it says. I'm just reading it. I'm passing on the information. (laughs) Yeah, there's got to be some real character issues. Now, those are character issues. Those are character issues, and they don't always come easily. For some, they do. It's jolly annoying. (laughs) Uh, What else do we need to see in an elder? We need to see this, and I think this is quite an important one. Not a pushover. You can't have... Elders that are pushovers. The the word of God says this. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. So that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Let me tell you, that's a big deal. There are big fights involved in that. And if you have an elder that says, oh, all right then, I don't mind. Then you're in trouble. The church is in trouble. You've got to have someone who knows how to fight, who will say, no, no, this is wrong. And there's plenty of stuff now, culturally, going on at the moment where we are being told, no, no, well, let's let's refer to God as mother. Let's have a certain attitude towards the homosexual act that the Bible does not refer to. Because that's all culturally very popular right now. No, the word of God is clear. You need, this church needs elders who will say, no, this is the word. I stand on it. I do not move on it. Elders at times, the Bible says, will have to fight wolves. Jesus referred to uh, shepherds. Uh, Elders are referred to as shepherds of the flock. Jesus at one point was referring to certain kinds of uh, shepherds who are hired hands. And when the wolves come, they used to run away. Oh, that's a fight. Oh, that's really difficult. I might get hurt. And I forget it. I'm off. No, no, you need men that will not run away from a fight. You need tough guys. PJ Smythe says the three jobs of an elder are to guard, to govern, and to guide. You need, you need men that will, will, will do the standing up. However, it also says you're not to be overbearing. Okay, all right. So you've got to be tough, but you've not got to be Oppressive. An elder who's oppressive, mm, it's bad news. It's real real bad news. You with me? What else? Oh, you've got to love what is good. Elders need to love what is good. In other words, you've got to have a passion for Jesus. You've got to have a passion for Jesus. You've got to have a passion for the mission. You've got to say, no, no, this world is dying. It needs a savior. Oh, God, we love You've got to have men that are passionate about social concern, that are prepared, like the disciples, to start feeding programs. We've got to care for these people. This is good. We've got to have that in elders. You've got to set a model. <clears throat> yeah, people who pursue God. Practical. Not a heavy drinker. The Bible's really clear. Not given too much wine. It says, now, I think individually people have to work out what that means. If you're in France, people would drink every day, often, not all, but with a glass of wine. That's culturally acceptable. Okay, you'd have to work your way around that. So what is, for me personally, that means not drinking every day. I don't drink during the week generally. I might have a glass of wine or two at the weekend, but not during the week generally. There are some exceptions. It's not not a law, but I just think, no, okay. Not heavy drinking. It's got to be gentle, not violent. Not violent. I think that kind of speaks for itself. We know the importance of that. Not, again, not a wallflower. I'm not talking about that, but not a violent man. What else does it say? Not quarrelsome. That's what it says. Not quarrelsome. If somebody's constantly got an attitude... They're attitude y, or they're constantly contrary. What they're really saying is they're not teachable. What we want are strong men who are teachable. I don't want, I want people who've got strong views. I want that. Gotta have, yeah, no, this is what I feel, and I want people to argue passionately for it, but equally, I want them to say, at the end of the day, if that's where we're going, I get it, I submit to that. <clears throat> What else? An elder has got to have a good attitude to money. I'm not putting you off, Ian, am I? No, good. (laughs) An elder's got to have a good attitude to money. Um, uh, They've not got to be greedy, not a lover of money, the Bible says. Not greedy, not tight, not valuing it too highly. Someone who, who knows how to give money and see God provide. I want to say, I think this issue of money is a big deal because it really tests your heart. An elder has to have had their heart tested by giving. Yeah. Can I give? And there are some months when I give and I think, ah, I don't want to give, but I know you're good, so I will. How have they done that? Have they learnt God through giving? Uh, I don't know why that's done that. Not quick-tempered, so not an angry man. Angry men are alarming, aren't they? They're kind of scary to have around. No, no, we don't want angry. There are other things in there as well. I won't go through them now. But things like the husband of one wife. Uh, Yeah. One's enough, I think, to be honest. I don't mean that in a negative way. Oh, well. One... One is a tremendous blessing, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be in trouble. Go on then. Just get it out your system now. Go on. Go on. I think the reason uh, actually the Bible talks about the husband of one wife is because it's addressing the issue of polygamy of the day. There was a time when it was okay for men to have multiple wives. And clearly, they were trying to say, no, no, you can't have many wives. Now, some people have also said, oh, well, that means if, uh, if a man has uh, had a wife before, and let's say she's died and he's remarried, that means you, ca- you can't be an elder. I want to say, I don't think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. This is addressing the issue of polygamy, not the issue, that issue, okay? <clears throat> so, uh, the husband of one wife... Not involved with dishonest gain. I mean, that just for me, that is just obvious. Uh, and not a recent convert. And I want to say to you, I think Ian does really well with that list. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to say, mate, I think you do very well. There's a lot that's impressive about you. Um, so we want to be a church that develops leaders. We're going to have to learn how to do that better. I've recognized I've got a way to go on that. How do I encourage and develop leaders? I think there is an issue of releasing people, giving opportunity for people, but being wise with the right person, not giving too much too soon, but but looking, basically, uh, to see that. I want you to be a group of people that cheer on. Cheer on those who do well. Let's be a group of people that do that. Let's be leaders who use our gifting and don't get lazy. It's really easy to say, you know, my, my work is so busy. And uh, I just, I'm just, that's all I'm going to do. Uh, and, you know, and there are periods in our life where we are so crowded in by a young family and a busy job. And, and you know, it's just, uh, wow, that's tough. But can I encourage you to be praying? Use the gifts that God has given you. Because what happens is you, you start like that and then you carry on like that. And actually, there are times when you have to say, no, actually, I'm through that season now. Now I can begin to pick up some responsibility again. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we recognize that you are the leader. You're the great apostle. You are that great shepherd. And we look again, and I invite you to come and lead this church. We want to make sure, Father, that we are keeping our eyes on you that you would have your way among us. And Jesus, we ask you that as the time goes on, Father, even as I've spoken this morning, I ask there would be a fresh release of leaders and leadership gift among us. I want to ask you, Father, that there would be a clear sense of call to various activities, uh, Lord Jesus, uh, both within and outside of the church. Lord, I'm looking, Father, for your blessing, please. Father, we ask you now, let this church become bigger. And would you equip us with all the leaders that we need? I pray, Father, for those that are still on that character journey. I want to ask you, bless them. Lord, for those who are, are fighting that and are resisting it, I want to ask you, Father, would you show them Show them what you're doing. Lord, where there's humility you're trying to bring in, where there's pride in life. Lord, would you, Father, just bring revelation, Lord, so that there's a, an understanding of what's coming and what's happening. Jesus, we look to you. We look to you. We ask you, Father, to give us all that we need. I'm sure it's here. Yeah. Father, I ask you for a greater ability to recognize leadership skills and to release it where it's appropriate. In the name of Jesus. Amen.